if you open your Bibles and you turn to the book of Matthew, you should all know where that's at. You can go back just a couple of books and you will come to the book of Haggai. Now I have to admit, it's been quite a while since I had read that book and I have come across a devotion uh, in it not too long ago and it just sort of stuck with me. And as I read it, and as I looked at it, I thought, this is good. I sort of was looking at it with fresh eyes again, and uh, I think there's a message in this for all of us, and it talks really about God being first in our life. We talk a lot about priorities and reordering priorities. Sometimes we'll talk about being lukewarm in our Christian walk, We'll talk about sometimes losing that initial fire when we first get saved and, and meet Christ and, and have him in our life, how we're all excited about things, but then as time goes on, we cool down a little bit. And for the Jews, it wasn't really much different. And what we come upon in the first oh, nine verses, I think we'll probably try to look at today, is God's people and how they had sort of fell from where they belonged. They had their priorities wrong again. And it's been interesting as I've listened to some Christian radio over the last several weeks. Uh, I even listened to a, a pastor that was talking about, you know, how do you choose what church to go to? How do you make that decision? And he was talking to families who say some families base the church they go on wherever there's kids ministry. And as the survey went out and as he would question these people, he found out that doctrine was like third or fourth on the list. So they wanted churches that had programs, they wanted churches that had uh, maybe kids ministries, they wanted churches that had a special kind of music, and somewhere down the line they wanted somewhere where they would preach the word of God. And of course his challenge and his rebuke is, you have to go where the word of God is preached in its entirety and in context. We need to be, as a body of believers, concerned first and foremost with the Word of God and how it is taught and how it is proclaimed to us. And we can look around today and we can see many false doctrines being preached. we got the prosperity gospel, we got works gospel, we have all these different gospels that can be preached. But as Paul said, we preach Christ and we preach Him crucified, and that is how we are saved, by grace, through faith, not of works, not of any of these things. And we may be sitting here struggling in our life financially with things. That doesn't mean God is upset with you. We may be sitting here blessed in our life. That doesn't mean God is pleased with you. God gives us all what we have. And as we go through this, we just need to look and say, is God first in our life? But I do tell people that when we are not walking in God's ways, how can we expect him to bless us? Not that he doesn't, because I'll often say, he has blessed me in spite of myself. He uses me in spite of myself. But I can't expect the blessings of God unless I am walking in his ways, unless he is first in my life, and unless I have him where he needs to be. And I would say for all of us that are serious about our walk with Christ, that's a daily um, job. It's really a, a, a daily focus. We need to wake up in the morning and get our eyes 
turned upon him. We need to focus on him in our situations. We need to be able to have that discernment to be aware when he is working in a situation that, that we can intervene in or speak truth into those things. And so the question today as we go through this, I want us to compare ourselves uh, to this Jewish people and to really look and see, you know, are we walking the way that God would have us to? Are we doing the things that he has called us to do in our life? Now, I just wanted to just share a couple things in, uh, in my study Bible uh, about the book of Haggai, just to give us a little bit of a, a background. Um, Haggai, the prophet of the temple. So they're talking about building the temple, and that was the physical temple back in that day. So as we look at this, maybe the, the learning thing that we may be able to get out of this is we are temples. It says our body is the temple of God. Our church as a body, not the building, is the temple of God. What are we doing to build that up? It was written about 520 B.C., so it's an older book. As you know, it's in the Old Testament, it says. The purpose is to motivate God's people to reorder their priorities, complete the temple, restore the prop, to restore proper worship. They could then expect the blessings of God. So that's sort of the purpose of this book of Haggai. And as we look at our life each week, we can say, well, that is sort of our purpose too. The main theme, sharp rebukes. We're going to see in this book that God is rebuking his people for their lack of diligence, their lack of focus, their lack of obedience to him. And what we're going to be talking about today is really just a, a cutting reproof, cutting correction into their lives and what they need to do. Now history, in my opinion, tends to repeat itself over and over, and that's why we can look at things that happened many, many years ago, and the question is, is do we learn from our mistakes and the mistakes of others, or do we continue to walk in them? So when we look at this, people may say, well, that's an Old Testament book that's dealing with something out of, out of here. It has nothing to do with us today, but they're spiritual applications, because God's Word is alive and active. God's Word can speak to us through any situation. And so we're going to begin today with the first uh, Haggai 1. Hope you found it now. Again, Matthew, back uh, two or three books and you will be there. The first chapter, we're going to read verses 3, 3 through 7. It says, Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, It is time for you yourselves to dwell in your... Excuse me. Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses... In this temple to lie in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat and you do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And you earn wages, earn, earns wages to put into a bag filled with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. And actually, when I did the bulletin, I forgot to switch the name of my sermon today, message. It shouldn't be fearless evangelism, though we can use that. That was last week's. But the, the message title today is Consider Your Ways. Now, twice in here, he tells these people, consider your ways. And he starts out very strong here. He says, you yourselves are living in these nice panel houses. You're living in some, in some luxury houses, and the story of this is, is the temple had been left to sit. They had started the temple about 14 years earlier. They began to build it, 
and they were excited about it. You can go into the book of Ezra. We're going to touch on that in just a moment. And they were all excited. They had the foundation there, and, and they were there was a celebration going on. And it says that the, the young people, and this is in the book of Ezra, they were cheering because this temple was going to be built. And they had never seen this new temple. And they were all excited about it. It was talking about how some of the old ones, they sort of wept because they remembered the glory of the old temple. But they were busy at work. But all of a sudden, we got this snapshot, and we're ahead about 14 years, maybe 15 years ahead. And here it is that God is saying this to them through Haggai. Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses in this temple to lie in ruins? Sometimes God's house gets neglected. Sometimes God's temple gets neglected. Sometimes God's body gets neglected. God in the New Testament has called us to be workers in his harvest and in his field. And so when I look at this, I would liken this to me. Do I have enough time for myself and to do all the things I want to enjoy? And am I putting God on the back burner? Is there things that God wants you to be doing, that God wants you to be giving up, but you're just too busy doing things of yourself? And that is what he is asking them here. He says, now therefore, says the Lord, host, consider your ways. He says, you need to stop and take a look at your life. I've shared as we've done some sermons through the pandemic time here that we've gone through with this COVID-19 that as we evaluate getting back to normal, maybe we need to consider what parts of normal are worth getting back to. We need to consider our ways. We need to stop and take a look and say, who are we reaching? How are we reaching people? Are we just trying to please people with, with activities or with you know promotions or treats or this or that, or are we feeding them with the word of God? I had a pastor tell me one time that he needed to be in church Sunday morning to feed his sheep during this when the churches were closed. And my comment to him was, is if you're just feeding your sheep on Sunday morning, they're starving anyways. You know, we need to be about God's business every day. He says, consider your ways. And then listen to how he talks about this. He says, you have so much but you bring in a little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourself, but you're not warm. You earn wages, but you put it in bags with holes. Isn't that how this world goes? We forget God because we say we need to get after things in this world, and I need to have enough to eat, and I need to have enough to drink, and I need to fill up all these things. It's like a child at Christmas time. They want that toy so bad, and, and they go after that toy. They open it up and they're all happy with it, aren't they? For a few minutes. And pretty soon it's in the toy box. Pretty soon it's in the dumpster. Pretty soon it's at the thrift sale. We do that too. We neglect God and we get so busy about things of this world and we've all done it. We focus on having enough to, to feed ourselves, but you know what? I ate breakfast this morning, but I'm going to be hungry this afternoon. You know, I drank some coffee this morning, but I'm guarantee I'm, I'm getting thirsty already. See, those are the things of the flesh. And really what God is saying here is we get so consumed with the things of the flesh that we've neglected the things of God. And he says, consider your ways. Are you putting more energy into things of this world than you are the things of God? And he says, that shouldn't be. The Lord says, consider your ways. We need to look continually at our life and say, are we considering our ways? 
When we get up in the morning, when we're making decisions in our life and for our family, we need to say, where is God in this equation? The Bible tells me that our God is a jealous God. That he wants to be included in all things. I love hearing prayer requests or praises about things like a stove. Because you know what the, the, men, the mental mind says? We don't pray about stuff like that. We just go out and get a new one. Or if I fix it, it's it's, it's a great thing that, that John's a, a good electrician that he could clean that. And we skip God out of that just to give God praise. Thank you. I shared early in our marriage when we were just new Christians, we had old junky cars and I was going to go out and find us a good deal. Julie went to a lady's prayer study and she brought that up as a prayer that, that you know, we need a vehicle. We need a vehicle. We got kids and, you know, hubby's got an old junker and it's not safe. Guess what? God answered her prayer. She gave praise for that. I give praise for that to this day. God is interested in not just the big things of our life. He's interested in all things of our life. So Ezra tells us how when the people who first arrived at the temple, they were all excited. They were all enthused about, about this project of, of building the temple. And it says that they had laid the foundations. Now a lot of times we can do this. I, when we were up in Jump River, we had a building project. They were in an old uh, rented uh, church building without houses and that for years. And, and as we began down the path, God was blessing the church and we came to a point where we were going to build a new building, okay, a structure. And the church really grew during that time in people and in passion. And we were all excited about this project, this thing that God was doing within his body, even though it was a physical thing. But, you know, we found out that when the church was built, we had this big lull in the body. And people began to struggle, and it was like we had lost our focus and, and lost our, our vision because we had put all of our energy into this one thing. And we decided, and we looked at it, and we prayed about it. And we thought, we need to get our eyes back on God. Not what has been accomplished, but what he still continually wants to do in our lives. And so God gave us a new vision and we moved on. And, and that's how the Jews were here. They were excited. They were full of enthusiasm. They wanted to lay this foundation. They had the workers that were there excited about doing these things. And we can get like that as a body sometimes. They call that revival. We get excited and we begin to work as a body and reach out as a body. And we find out that we're inviting people into the, the body to hear the word of Christ. Or we're going to start Bible studies with people or we're reaching out to help people wherever we can. We can get excited about those things. But when the Jewish people got excited about this, guess what? Satan also got excited about it. The enemies of the Jewish people got excited about it. And they began to petition the kings of Persia. They didn't want this going on in their neighborhood. They didn't want this going on because they knew the power of God. We're going to see things in our life as we live for Christ, as we proclaim Christ, as we walk in his ways and reject the things of this world, that people are going to rise up against us, that people are going to become critical of us, might even be our own family. Because when we're busy about God's business, Satan is busy about his business. And he's going to come after you. 
Bible tells us don't think it's some strange thing because people don't care for you or people aren't participating you know, in, in your program and being excited about you. Jesus says they hated me, they're going to hate you also. None of us wants to be hated, but they're really going to hate what we stand for. There's people that want to be our friends, but they don't want to hear about Jesus. And it's sad that sometimes we give in to that. And say, well, I'll just have a friendship with this person. We just won't discuss religion or faith or Jesus. God says, no, if he's your life, you need to speak about him. You need to share him with others around. Well, as the enemy of the Jews got busy, they petitioned the king. The people gave in. As we tend to do sometimes, we give in to the pressure. We give in because we get tired. We give in because we don't know what to do. Sometimes we give in because it would just be easier to sit at the lake and go fishing or to go camping or to take a trip or a ride somewhere else. It's easier not to do the work of God than to do the work of God. And the Jewish people began, as we read through in Haggai here, they began to have this laid-back resignation just sort of a complacency about the work of God. And it says that they laid down their tools for 14 years. For 14 years they were not concerned about finishing that which God had called them to do. Now the people, they had their excuse. We like to call them reasons. Well, the reason I wasn't there, is it a reason or is it an excuse? Because there's a big difference. And I want you to ask yourself, and in, in, in through your life as you come across these crossroads, is what you're doing a reason or an excuse? Because a reason has some real substantial meat to it. An excuse is just, well, that's, that's the thing I'm using, so I don't have to do this. But they said this, the people say the time has not yet come to build the Lord's house. That was up in verse 2. We started reading in verse 3 today, but in verse 2, thus speaks the Lord God of hosts, saying, This people says the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. God had called them to do this. And in the book of Ezra, they were excited. They began to do it, but they gave in to the peer pressure. And now the reasoning that they're using is, well, it's not really time to build the Lord's house. And so how do we decide when it's time to step back, when it's time to move ahead? See, there was a, a prophecy of 70, I think I had this written down here somewhere, 70 years in captivity, and then they were going to do this. And they figured because they were still under the occupation that that was their excuse not to do what God had called them to do. You know, we try to figure out God quite a bit in our life. Where I was trying to see what the, the, the inside thing, or at least I do. You know, I try to always figure and try to see his hand at work and try to figure things out. What are you doing here, Lord? But do you know the Bible tells me this, that his, high, his ways are high above my ways. Matter of fact, it says as far as the east is from the west, so are his ways different than mine. And so I got to walk by faith each day. I can't say this is what God believes, this is what God, unless it's written in the Word of God, unless He says it. But those people have said, you know, the time is not right. It's just not the right time to do it. 
And, and they used this, oh, you know, we were supposed to be 70 years in captivity, then we we're going to be free. And we're not all totally free yet at this time, at this writing. They weren't all totally free yet. They were still under some occupation there. And so they had their excuse why not to do it. They wanted to justify where they were at. You ever see people want to justify things in their life? You ever try to hold somebody accountable and all of a sudden they're backpedaling? They want to justify... But, well, the reason is, is this and this and this, and, and they get defensive and the walls go up. Because it's interesting that nothing had really changed for the Jews in this 14-year period that they had. And we hear a lot of the same thing even today in our lives. I, I want to think as, you know, as we read through Haggai here, you know, we, we always have this thing of next week, right? Next week I'll do this. Next week I'll be in study. Next week I'll I'll be praying. Next week I'm going to mentor the young. Next week I'll I'll be helping at, at the food giveaway. Next week we're going to go do some volunteer. It's always next week. The Lord tells us, "Carpe diem, seize the day. Today is the day that we have. Today may be the only day that we have. We get pretty bold and we just say, you know, we got next week." Because we don't even know what tomorrow holds. He says, live in the moment, live in the day. Follow me today. This is the most that we can do. It's not next week. Don't start reading your Bible next week. Start reading your Bible today. Don't put off, you know, for tomorrow what you can do today. Because today is the day that God may be wanting to use you in that very special way. Sometimes the Lord leads us, and he's done this in my life, that I really feel impressed that I need to go share my faith with somebody. But I'll just say, well, you know, I'm just too busy this week. I got an appointment here, and, and you know, uh, well, there's no sports to even blame that. I don't even have that excuse anymore. You know, I get to watch NASCAR on TV, so next week I'll go share my faith with somebody. That person may be gone next week. I may be gone next week. And more importantly, I may miss that blessing because God's will will be accomplished. But God has these blessings that he wants for us. So what happened with the Jews is they really became demotivated to serve the Lord. We need to get a little fire in our oven. No joke intended. We need to get a fire in our oven. You know, in here, we need a fire in our belly. We need to get moving. We need to get going. We need to, to spread the gospel message to these people. The Bible is meant to, to really excite us, not sedate us. Our Christian walk should be energizing us, not putting us to sleep. And if you notice how God rebuked these people, he says, you expected much, but... You know, it turned out to be a little. You put all your energy into this. You know, they say like when people die, and then I don't know if it's changed over time, but I remember hearing sometime that a lot of people are going to earn a million dollars in their lifetime, but they're going to die with just a little in their pocket. It's like trying to grab air. It goes through your hands. It's like sand. We put our energies into things that, that are going to be, you know, need to be renewed. The food, the water, the, the wages, all these things in our life. But he tells them this, 
He says, you expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord God Almighty? Because of my house, which remains in ruins, while each of you are busy with his own house. He says, these things that you put so much energy into, if I'm not a part of it, they're coming to nothing. They're coming to nothing. I blew it away because my temple is in ruins. And again, when we look at this, I don't want you just to look at the physical building. I want you to look at your spiritual building. Are you spending so much time on other things that your spiritual being is in ruins? Are you spending time in devotion? Are you spending time in prayer? Are you spending time in Christian fellowship? Are you forsaking the things of the world to walk with God? Because it's, it's funny how we always have these reasons. I shouldn't say funny, but it's amazing maybe how we always have these reasons why we can't serve God. But we always have time to serve ourselves. Through our years in ministry, when we were at our previous church up north, we had a lot of farmers. And when we'd go out witnessing and, and sharing and inviting people, a lot of times the farmers said, well, you know, your, your service is, is a little too early. I, I can't make it. But I noticed when hunting season came around, they altered their milking time so they could be out in the woods nice and early. See, we have those reasons, those justifications in our life. We have reasons why we can't serve God, but we always have time to serve ourselves. If there's things we really want in our life, think about it. We make it happen, don't we? If we really want to be somewhere, if we really want to do something, we can make it happen. Why can't we make it happen for God? Isn't it funny how a, a $20 bill going into the offering plate seems like a lot, but when you go shopping, that isn't really enough, is it? Give your kids a $20 bill, that's, what am I supposed to do with that? That's a coffee at Starbucks. Oh, yeah. You know? God falls out of line in our life. It's amazing how two hours in the church service is a long time, but two hours with friends is pretty short, isn't it? When we're visiting about things that we like to do. Talk about prayer. It's hard sometimes. I just don't know what to say to God. But when we're sitting across from a coffee table with somebody, we have a lot to say. And a lot of times it's not the best things that we're talking about in our life. It's difficult sometimes to read a couple chapters of the Bible or a book of the Bible, but we can sit down for hours and read one of those good uh, books that we like, those romance novels or those sports magazines and hunting books, right? Maybe popular mechanics for the guys that like to tool around. See, we have these excuses in our life. It's, we say, well, it's too difficult for me to witness to people because I, I just don't know the Bible well enough. And so we say it's too hard to, to share the truth about God's Word or to even learn about God's truth in our life. But we can sure talk about gossip and what's going on uptown and what's going on here or there. And we believe everything that Facebook tells us and Dr. Phil in the news channels tells us, but we question God's word. Isn't that strange? 
how our nature is when it comes to things of God. The truth is our reasons for praying or reading the Bible or being hospitable towards one another, they're not really reasons, they're excuses in our life. They're excuses to keep us as the king of our own domain, the king of our life. And we never would admit that because we sing the songs that say, Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. But when we're out in the world, when we're out of the church, when we're out in life, God many times slides down the ladder. They, apparently, the Jews, had a lot of time to work on their own houses. And, and I want to just close with a couple thoughts here because when we look at this, we can see that, that they had these nice paneled houses. They had a lot of time to build their houses the way that they wanted them to be. And God says this, How is it that your house seems to be in fine order, but mine is disappearing under a carpet of weeds? You had time to build your own, but you have no time to build mine. You know, weeds is another word for sin in the New Testament. When it talks about the weeds crept in, the weeds can choke out the Word of God. See, we can have a fine life. We can have a luxurious life. We can have a life living above, living the dream. But spiritually, maybe the weeds are choking us out. Maybe I won't go too far here. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains, bring wood, and build the temple, that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified. That he may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, it blew away. Because my house is in ruins, while every one of your houses is ways. Consider your ways, he tells us. Consider your ways. Listen, when he tells them to go up and give wood, this is interesting, because if you go back and if you look at Ezra 3.7, it says that the wood was already there. There was a time when they had built this foundation and they were being obedient to God. They went up and they got the wood. They got the, the foundation. They got all this stuff built. Why is he sending them back up there again? Where did all this cedar from Lebanon go? They had houses of fine panel. They took that which was designated for God and used it for themselves. I want you to think about that as a spiritual thing in your life. Have you taken those things that God has given you that should be designated for God and use them for yourself? And that's a question only you can answer. And I'm not here to, to lay guilt or anything. I'm here to say this. Consider your ways. Look at your life. See what it is. Has God given you a talent that he wants you to use for something and you're not using it for that, but you're using it for something else? Has he given you a resource? Has he given you a blessing? 
Has he given you a calling in your life and you're not listening to what God has and what he has given you for his purpose, but you're using it for your own selfish means? How typical is that of humanity that we do that? That's why a lot of times, you know, prosperity can be a fall for a lot of people. Where, where it tells us, you know, like the love of things or the love of money, and I'll say that as possessions, can, can be the roots of all kinds of evil. Because all of a sudden we think that we don't need God anymore and we give to God out of our excess instead of out of our need. Mark tells us this, Mark 12. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything and, and all she had to live on. Listen to that. See, God isn't concerned with how much we have. He is concerned with our heart in giving back to him. Is he the priority in our life? Is he where he belongs in our life? Whatever it is that he has given you, and any of you that know me over the years, I don't talk about money or things like that because I think there's so many other things that God gives us. The world focuses on finances. But God has given us talents and abilities in different things. Are we using them for the Lord? And I see people in this body that do that. They give them to the Lord, however they can, whatever God has, has blessed them with. But he tells us, consider your ways. And to their credit, to the Jewish people's credit, and we're going to continue through this book, but they saw the hypocrisy of what they were doing. They saw and heard the wake-up call, and they began to change. But guess what? They started to build the temple again, but it only lasted for a month or two. Paul said, I beat my body daily. I think in our lives we need to continually work to stay on track. You know, if you're following a compass in the woods, the old type compass, now they got GPSs, they can, you can get anywhere that you want to without paying attention, but the old compasses would have this line, and I'd see this tree and I had to walk to the tree, then I'd have to take my bearings again. I think in our Christian life we need to do that as we depend on the Holy Spirit, we need to continually take our bearings to make sure that Christ is before us. The cross before me and all behind me, we've sang that song. Don't have these songs that we sing, just words that we mouth. Have them be your way of life. The Jews began to think again, I'm wasting my time. And they let the temple go again. They had listened to the negative people that were around them. And I will tell you, negativity drags you down. I'm not watching a whole lot of news right now because there's a whole lot of negative stuff on there. 
I've heard it, and I, you know, if you rehear it and 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 rehear it, it makes me think that there's no hope. But if I spent a little more time instead of watching that and reading this, I see that there is hope. And I know that there is hope, and it's in Jesus Christ. Consider your ways. God tells us, consider your ways. Let's pray.